listening to the Northeast Newscast, a weekly podcast where we sit down with community members and leaders to discuss important topics in all things Kansas City. Today, we're talking to Sandra Wallace, the mental health coordinator at Jewish Family Services, about mental health resources and tips during the COVID-19 pandemic. All right. We are here today with Sandra Wallace. Sandra, you are the mental health coordinator at Jewish Family Services. Thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to to visit with you today. Of course. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, I mainly really want to focus with you today on the effects of COVID-19 on individuals. Um, As a mental health coordinator, I'm sure you have seen and heard a lot of individuals reaching out to you and to your office for some help or, you know, to to talk through issues. Um, But before we begin, let's go ahead and have you give our listeners a brief intro. So tell us who you are and what you do at JFS. Sure. Thank you. Um, I am a lifelong resident of Kansas City. I, I grew up here. I went off to college and came back. Uh, and then most recently, I've been a principal in the Overland Park area. Um, I, I've been very passionate about the uh, the critical piece of relationships uh, that foster safety and trust, uh, kindness that are really at the core of, of people. And so naturally, I've been very intentional about uh, taking care of mental health and well-being for youth and for educators and for adults in our community. It's it's kind of the way that I've just always done business. Uh, even, you know, well before we had COVID and um, ACE scores and, and the wealth of research that we have now um, about the importance of mental health and uh, prioritizing it just as much as we do for our physical health. Um, and in really fostering a culture where it's okay to talk about our mental health um, and asking people about it and encouraging um, people to to be honest and transparent about how they're doing. So my role at JFS, uh, I was able to transition from school, uh, you know, after 42 years to the uh, Jewish Family Services as their mental health coordinator. And so I oversee a an a coalition of 30 plus organizations in the Kansas City area that support mental health work um, anywhere from, um, you know, big hospitals to uh, YMCA to um, smaller organizations, as well as uh, county mental health agencies. And I also am the coordinator for uh, a youth health and wellness program that's called UBU. And we are in um, 15, 18 different high schools and middle schools across the entire metropolitan area. So I support the work that they're doing there in that school setting as well. Awesome. Now, I 100% agree with you um, of something that you just said in your intro was that you're encouraging people to talk about their mental health. The past few years, um, the stigma has really been reduced and maybe you would have something else to say, but I really feel like it's becoming more and more okay to say, hey, mentally, I'm not okay, or I need help, or I'm sad, or I'm thinking about this or I'm anxious. Like, you know, you just really, I feel like that stigma has been lifted a little bit to where it's not uncommon and people are feeling more encouraged and and a lot more safe to start, to start talking about stuff like that. Absolutely. And I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I think that what has been exciting is 
seeing how our, honestly, how our youth have embraced this opportunity to, if you will, kind of be the role model for, for those of us that are, are grown adults um, to, to be transparent and to have those conversations. Um, we are uh, still seeing some stigma, if you will, uh, with our older adult populations. And I think that that's just generational. That feels very natural. But our, uh, our adults, our parents that have teenagers, uh, that have young adult um, kids of their own, we are definitely starting to see um, a very exciting um, opening of this opportunity for us to, to really engage with others in regards to our mental health, which is really encouraging. So um, tell us a little bit about Jewish Family Services. Uh, where are you located? Uh, what do you do? What services do you offer? Yeah. So Jewish Family Services has uh, been in the community for uh, for many, many years. Uh, they started out as one of the um, partners with United Way um, back in the 1920s. And they primarily in that space were, were supporting people in the Jewish community. They have really expanded those services, um, I would say, 2000, that they started to shift from um, their primary services being with Jewish uh, community to outreaching to the entire community. And so they, Jewish Family Services supports and um, strengthens lives and humans across the entire metro, um, regardless of faith or age, uh, culture or lifestyle. We have a, a campus in the Brookside area at 63rd in Maine, and we are able to provide food pantry and therapeutic services at that location, as well as we have the location in Overland Park um, at 115th and Knoll. And there, uh, that location as well has provi- provides food pantry services as well as therapeutic counseling. Um, we also have very extensive older adult um, care uh, program where we do a great deal of outreach with the intention of keeping our older adults, their well-being and their comfort, um, their dignity um, and um, their their needs to continue to be met. Uh, you know, our goal is really for them to be able to stay in their homes. And um, so we provide services like help at home where we can go into um, homes and and um, build things or uh, add in uh, like grab bars and things like that in the restrooms or build ramps, um, as well as the um, social work services that we have uh, going into homes for our older adults. So really our, our big buckets of services include the therapeutic counseling, which we are able to offer from, say, age Two to 102, so the entire age span, um, our food pantry services, um, as well as our older adult care services. And those are all uh, kind of the, the great big buckets, um, as well as all of the social services through social workers that we have. Okay, that's quite a bit. I honestly didn't realize that you offered so many services. I think that's fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very comprehensive. We're definitely from the um, whole person approach. Um, we know that if someone is um, struggling with um, food insecurity or shelter insecurity, that that has a significant impact on mental health. Um, or if they are um, struggling with some financial insecurity, that obviously has an impact on mental health as well. So we we have, uh, we call it Kesher KC, which is a um, comprehensive wraparound services approach where we're able to provide um, all of those pieces together, knowing that not one of them stands alone without the others, if that makes sense. Now, you were talking about how financial struggles can impact someone's mental health, which absolutely is 100% true. Um, Even in my own life, you know, I could see, you know, how dealing with with money or lack of money causes stress, anxiety, things like that, um, which now has been highlighted and absolutely pronounced with, you know, layoffs, people being furloughed, um, not having that um, financial security. So let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 and the effect it has had on individuals and maybe even from both, because we can focus on the isolation of people just kind of not being able to be around their families. Um people that they love, not being able to go out and do things that they love to do that might, you know, kind of help their mental health. Um, And then what you have seen from that. So from your role, what have you seen regarding COVID-19? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I would say um, one of the the pieces that we have seen is the shift in um, the way that we offer services. So the organizations that I work with, either through Jewish Family Services or through the Greater Kansas City Coalition, they have been able to transition their services to either telehealth or like drive up uh, services and so forth. So that's kind of an exciting um, way that we have been able to sustain Stain and continue to meet the needs of our clients, knowing that that COVID has had such a significant impact, just as you said, financially, um, as well as kind of our stay-at-home orders. So um, some of the things that we're seeing while we're meeting those clients' needs through kind of this different path, um, definitely, as you said, the isolation, the um, one of the big things is the um, the the worry about the unknown of the future, the unknown of what is next week going to look like, but also what is next month going to look like? And, and when will my kids ever go back to school? (laughs) You know, it's a very interesting space in that we have historically had so many things in our lives that were very predictable and that we knew in August kids went to school and we knew there would be a winter break. And we knew, you know, there's always, there's been these, um, these calendar markers, if you will. And, and we don't have any of those right now, which is creating a great deal of anxiety and, and um, response uh, that some responses that can be unhealthy. The other impact that we're seeing is um, kind of coming back to that isolation piece is there's some interesting work being done now in regards to even just human touch that, uh, you know, I, I've been at the grocery store and and it's this weird feeling when you see somebody and you're like, oh my gosh, am I too close? Am I too close? You know, this like awkward feeling of like people are dodging each other. <laughs> and that that's not how we were designed as people. And so we were designed, we, our brains are wired for connections. And so that is that is creating some um, anxiety and some concern in that 
this awkwardness of not being connected, either not being connected, you know, just in a space, but also just that human touch connection. And so, um, you know, things that people um, are, you know, that, that some of our therapists are suggesting as far as, you know, working through that need for connection is, um, and that, that isolation uh, is, is thinking about what are some things that you do have in your space that uh, can bridge some of that connection. I was, you know, thinking about like photo albums or even um, our phones, you know, maybe this is a great time for all of us to, to dig into our phones and reorganize all of our pictures and, and kind of get things sorted out so that we can have that connection through the, the digital space um, and be intentional about it um, and, and, and help to build some of that. The other thing that I don't want this to sound hokey, but, but we can have a lot of connections with nature and I, and there's so many people taking walks and all of those great things, but um, just being outside gives your body a sense of connection to others because you're outside of your walls, if you will. So um, another, you know, great tip is to just simply be outside as much as you can for that sense of, of connection, even though you might not like physically see someone else, um, you might hear things which help you feel connected. Um, and also, you, you don't kind of get stuck in the walls of your own home, feeling kind of this burden of, uh, or this weight of being alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other idea that some people have shared in regards to that feeling of isolation is um, many of us maybe have started a new hobby, or maybe we've actually taken the time finally to dig into a hobby that uh, we haven't taken the time to do in the past. So that's a great way to um, help ease some of that uh, feeling of isolation. Um, or the other thing is is really kind of organizing anything in your house, uh, which is another tip. Uh, whether it's your pantry or it's your um, the towels in your closet or or the basement that's a mess, um, feeling that sense of purpose and a beginning and an end to something uh, is a great way for people to um, to have that that feeling of I'm I have purpose I am needed which is a huge um, piece of not feeling isolated. So we have seen uh, an uptick in people requesting counseling services. And a lot of it does have to do with uh, job insecurity or financial insecurity. So our, our, our counselors are working through those, those um, concerns with the clients. Fortunately, with, with Jewish Family Services, we have been able to sustain the, the, um, employees that we have across the organization, which has been an incredible blessing. And then we've actually um, just recently been able to hire a couple additional therapists to help with the caseload, um, which again is is such a blessing in that we're able to employ somebody else, you know, that, that needs that space for employment. As far as our food pantry services also, we um, do have space and capacity to uh, bring on additional clients for food pantry. So definitely would encourage any of our listeners that if they um, are, are needing some food security, please to reach out so that we can help support them um, with that with that need, which again, as I was you know, sharing earlier, has such a huge impact on our mental health and our well-being. 
Absolutely. That's a lot of good information. And uh, you were talking about the calendar markers and kind of how we don't have that anymore. And it, I it kind of just hit me like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. But how much stability that did bring just to my life of like, okay, this is when summer starts. This is when this program is going to start. This is when school is going to let out. This is when school is going to start again. This is, you know what I mean? Just these things that you can plan for and you can look forward to and you know what your life is going to be. Um, I'm stuck at home with a six-year-old and it presents just such challenges that we have never had to do before um, in any capacity, really. Um, but I, I 100% never thought about the fact that how much stability that the calendar year brought. Thinking about parents, do you... I mean, I know you said you've seen an uptick in the number of people calling in for um, need for counseling or therapy or to talk through or any of your other services. Uh, what do you say to parents? I would say that there's not just one way to, you know, to to support our families through this um, very unknown territory. But there are a few things that we would definitely encourage families to think about and to consider. And one of them is uh, just keeping as many routines and rituals and habits as possible. Um, if before this um, pandemic, you know, your your nightly routine for putting your kids to bed was um, you brush your teeth, you read a story, you um, scratch their back, and then you turn off the lights. We need to keep that routine going, um, even though the rest of their night and the rest of their day may look very different. Um, but but keeping as many of those routines um, and rituals as possible is, is a huge piece. And I would also encourage families to uh, talk to your kids about what are some of the routines or rituals that you have started since the pandemic. Uh, chances are there's, well, obviously there's no chance about it, but your, your, your days look different. And so is there something that whether intentionally or not, um, your family has set as a routine or, or a habit or a practice um, that you want to continue after the pandemic? Uh, you know, for example, for our family, we uh, tend to play cards almost every night after after dinner, you know, somebody's cleaning up the kitchen and we're getting the, the game ready to go for whatever we're going to play. I'll be totally honest with my 19 and 15 year old we've never done that. <laughs> but that's been something that we have started doing. And now we're, we're really, we look forward to it. It's, it's kind of a nice way for all of us to connect for just a few minutes each night. So that's a new routine or a new ritual that we have. And so thinking about what those are that, that you want to continue after, uh, after we do get back into somewhat of, of a calendar marker system. Um, you know, another great thing is to just be thinking about uh, just to to think about the number one, where you just think about like one thing at a time. And so as a parent, think about one minute that that you can do, you can listen to music by yourself and then go back to maybe some of the chaos and then think about another one minute that you can walk around outside, even if it's just lapping your house. And it's amazing how just that single minute will help you. It, it, honestly, it feels sometimes like forever, which is the best part about it. <laughs> um, and it. And it gives you 
a real specific, easy thing to do that you don't have to commit your whole day to. You don't have to say, I'm going to at four o'clock, I'm going to, I'm going to go turn on my yoga and I'm going to just meditate for 45 minutes and it's going to be all glorious. Okay. Well, that happens sometimes for some people, but it doesn't happen all the time for many of us. So just thinking about one minute at a time is a, is a huge piece that I encourage families to think about. Absolutely. Now, personally, I'm an introvert. So I recharge by getting time by myself. So I definitely always have to make sure that I'm like, okay, before I go to bed, I'm going to read a book, I'm going to do what I need to on my computer or just have something that is just for me. Um, Extroverts right now, I'm not sure how they're recharging if they're recharging by being around other people. (laughs) But um but yeah, I I definitely have to make sure um, that I do take that time for myself before bed just to say, okay, she's in bed. I'm going to read. I'm going to watch Netflix for like 30 minutes or do whatever I need to do. Can you tell us about um, maybe requirements for insurance? Do you require insurance or would certain people be able to come if they're under or uninsured? At JFS, we have a um, very very loose, if you will, sliding scale. Um, And if families do have insurance, we can certainly run uh, our services through that. If they do not, we do provide free counseling and free services. Um, We are, again, are very blessed by uh, grants that we receive as well as private donors um, who are passionate about meeting the needs of our community. So, uh, you know, some of our clients maybe come in and pay $5 and that's great. Other clients don't pay anything. Um, and other clients, we run it through their insurance and they pay the copay or the insurance pays for it. So it's a very, very flexible, um, in, you know, in the insurance world sliding scales, uh, service that we have. Um, and so absolutely we, we will never not serve a client, uh, or a, a person in need based on their financial or insurance um, capacity. You mentioned that the anxiety of not knowing the what's going to come next week or next month can cause unhealthy reactions or unhealthy responses um, to that anxiety and worry. What would you suggest as far as healthy responses? I know you mentioned going outside, taking a walk, things like that. Um, but for someone saying, I really am just so overwhelmed Uh, that I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring next week, next month, what would you suggest for those individuals? You know, again, that's another uh, very popular, if you will, question right now. So again, there's not going to be one, one, way that will work for everyone. Um, If I can piggyback again on kind of that calendar marker uh, space that we were on earlier, taking a look at a calendar and as as the individual and, you know, handwriting in birthdays, handwriting in um, some events or some things that you can control or that you can participate in would be one thing to do in order to have that that futuristic outlook for, for things that are coming up. One thing that's really important is that before you are in the moment of feeling really overwhelmed and um, feeling like you're kind of spiraling, um, there's some really great things that you can do as prevention. And and one of those is identifying um, a person or a few people that are your kind of your go-to people. Um, Those people that you can, you know, call at three o'clock in the morning and they'll answer their phone 
own, um, people that you can celebrate with when you have successes, um, a person that uh, when you're just having a really, really crappy day, you can call and they will tell you a terrible dad joke, which will cheer you up. <laughs> um, and and being able to identify who that person or, or a small group of people are, again, before or you're ever in a moment of crisis or a moment of, of, you know, true anxiety and, and frustration. Um, and when you have identified that person, a couple things that I encourage people to do is to write that person's name on a card, like an index card or post it or whatever it might be. And, and put that person's name, like on the mirror in your bathroom, um, on the dashboard of your car, maybe on your refrigerator so that you know that that person is always there. And, and then the other thing is to make sure that you have that person's contact information in your phone. So those would all be things that we would do before we ever kind of get into that moment of, of crisis or need. Um, and, and if you find yourself in that crisis moment, that would be somebody that you could reach out to right away. You don't have to try to fumble and find their number. You don't have to you know do any of those things. They're just right there for you. Yeah. Also reach out to your physician or your pediatrician somebody that you already have that relationship potentially with um, and, and and start there with a conversation um, being very transparent. Um, you know, a lot of our, our family practice doctors, they don't maybe have as much background in mental health and um, or psychology practices. But what is um, kind of exciting to see in the medical field right now is that many of the um, health organizations have social workers on staff. And so those social workers can connect you with organizations that would be locally in your community um, to help bridge that conversation for you. Having said all of that, you know, also if if you or someone you know is in a crisis and is um, you you have fear of harm to themselves or to others, um, absolutely reaching out to uh, you know National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, many of our uh, local uh, Police um, organizations have co-responders who are um, more in a social work capacity that respond with police officers if there is a crisis. And so, um, of course, we would absolutely, um, you know, tell people that if there is a pretty significant crisis moment to call 911, ask specifically for a co-responder to come um, with that officer so that so that you have more of that mental health, um, social work um, conversation going on. Do you have the um, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline on hand that you can give individuals? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So the lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. And that's answered 24, 7, 365 days a year. So that's always available um, for for people across the country. Okay. Wonderful. You were talking about connection and um, just having that person that you can call. One thing that I think um, I have doing been doing in a couple of my coworkers is virtual events, for example, like the library or different organizations, events that they would normally have face to face. They're now doing virtually. And it has been awesome to just know like, okay, this is a live event. I'm part of this event. I'm going to ask my question. They're going to see it. Somebody's going to respond to my question. We're going to have a discussion about it. Like it helps me feel a lot more connected, even though obviously I'm sitting at my house, probably in my pajamas, you know, like not face to face with them. Um, But that's been something that's really been surprising to me of just like, 
oh, there's so much going on online and there's so much connection online that is taking place, you know, in the midst of all of this. So that has been really helpful. Do you have any other resources that you can offer? Through the uh, Greater Kansas City Mental Health Coalition, which is um, Jewish Family Services is kind of the parent if you will, for that coalition. And that coalition is 30 different organizations across the metro. Um, And so our website for that coalition is www.itsok.us. And on our website, we have links to all of the organizations that we partner with. Um, So, you know, just as I was saying, everything from a medical uh, organization or facility to uh, child care resources to public libraries. Um, and what's great is that when we when we think about this wraparound approach um, to the whole person, um, we are able to um, link people to those different uh, resources that would be helpful for their mental health. And then another thing that we have on there, and earlier when we were talking about insurance, it reminded me of it. Um, on a couple of our resource pages, we have a uh, glossary, if you will, of terms of like definitions and in our insurance page is very congregation or their people um, because we know how hard that is to navigate. So we wanted to be able to just have a you know pretty quick and easy click to see a bunch of the terms in regards to insurance um, and and allow people to to do some of their their learning there. Another uh, you know space for resources and for outreach that I wanted to um, suggest to our listeners is the idea of our school districts and our faith based organizations. Um, those Those are spaces that are a natural connection. Those school districts in our area are just phenomenal and a wealth of resources. So I would encourage uh, listeners to tap into that. Many, if not all of our school districts also have social workers on staff that can can help with with meeting some of those needs. Um, And same thing with our faith-based communities um, or organizations. They um, are bringing into their organization um, several more resources resources and tools to um, support and sustain the mental health of their congregation or their people. Well, this has been really good information. I really appreciate your time and you kind of unpacking all of this for us. How can people connect with Jewish Family Services? Yeah, so the best way to connect would be uh, through our navigator system. So uh, you can call um, the the 913-327-8250. Also, email uh, works as well, which would be um, navigator, so N-A-V-I-G-A-T-O-R at... JFSKC.org. Um, and that will also uh, get you connected with their, um, with kind of that initial um, conversation to, to determine how best we can meet your needs. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much for your time and for talking about all this great information. Um, that's very timely. And I'm sure so many people need to hear this. Yeah, absolutely. We feel very honored to be a part of the conversation and to be able to support our community as much as we can. And that was Sandra Wallace, Mental Health Coordinator for Jewish Family Services. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. Mm-hmm.